All right, good morning. Sorry, started that before I put it on the tripod. Um, all right, so this is Doc Scott's Revival Talk. I just want to also say that um, Jamie uh, Jackson from The Remnant here in Brunswick, Georgia, our home church and our pastor will be, I'll be joining him on um, tomorrow night at 7 from The Remnant, and we'll be doing a Revival Talk then too, and um, it's really kind of fun to um, talk about revival and what God's doing. And yesterday we talked a lot, um, we talked about what was happening in Seacoast and how essentially there was a revival that was initiated um, not by baptism and the pool like we've been accustomed to, which is awesome because you know, the key issue is about vulnerability and God using the vulnerability that is in our heart. And we talked about how historically in every revival, there is this public kind of acknowledgement and confession that takes place where people come clean with all of their stuff. And what Jesus does in that, so whether it's in a baptismal pool at the altar, which is the extension of either or right there, or whether it's something that God comes sovereignly does. We talked about yesterday how in Seacoast, they got together to pray for one person, a daughter of the pastor who had cancer, and 200 people got healed in the meeting. Bam. I mean, talk about Book of Acts. Talk about uh, miraculous. Um, it's crazy. Um, the next time they had a meeting... Okay, good. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm going to lift you up right now. This is a friend of ours, Rebecca Liz Bergeron. We're going to agree together. She's heading to the hospital right now for spine surgery. So, Lord, we just release your angels, since that's what we're going to be talking about today, and it's very relevant to what she's doing. And um, we release your angels right now to um, minister to her. Father, that the surgeons would have angels that are guiding their hands. We, act, we thank you in advance for a successful outcome. And we thank you for absolute, total healing for Rebecca in Jesus' name. Um, so thank you for sharing that, um, Rebecca. Um, and we will be praying. I'm, you know, we talked about this revival. The next time they had a meeting, 3,000 people showed up. Okay, and there was no water involved. So... You know, I just say that to say that no matter what it looks like, because God always owns it, we cannot step into formulas. We can't step into a formula for revival because there isn't one. Okay, there are things that are common that happen in revivals. There are things that we do as a people that are common in revivals. But we have to be led by the Holy Spirit and we have to be able to move. And in, when the form that we are using no longer facilitates the function of the Holy Ghost, it's time to ditch it and find out what he's doing. And so we're always in this perpetual place in holy chaos, which is our new norm, right? Um, we're always in the place of being radically dependent on hearing his voice and responding to what he's doing. That's how we sustain revival, and that's how we create habitation, by going after him and his heart and his face and seeking him 
and not losing sight of the very one that we've come to worship because we've created a form. The minute we begin to worship a form, we're done. You know, not that he wouldn't get us back on track. My point is this, that's how every movement goes astray because it begins to worship the works and the works become elevated above the power of the Holy Spirit and what Holy Spirit's doing. And it's because our own stuff gets involved in trying to control that one. I want to say something about angels. So, you know, I've been reading a little bit from this um, Tim Sheets book. Now that my wife picked it up, you know, I have to be a little bit ahead of the game. Um, you know, she copied me, of course, because she saw me reading this and talking about it. And so, you know, we're kind of like that. Just kidding. We're power allies. All right. So this is Daniel. Gabriel was sent to answer Daniel's prayer. Daniel was praying for his nation about their future for wisdom. And God heard his prayer as soon as he prayed it <laughs> and sent Gabriel with the answer. It's very reassuring to know that he heard it when you prayed it and he dispatched angels the minute that this is teaching us something too. We talked about how our words are not empty, okay? That, that you can't speak something into the unseen realm of heaven and not have it do something. So literally, when we spoke, when he spoke, the Lord answered the prayer and dispatched the angel. All right, here's the part that's next. But there was spiritual warfare in the atmospheric heavens by demonic prince, the spirit prince of Persia. There would, this would have been a fallen angel that sided with Lucifer had, when he rebelled and tried to take over heaven. Lucifer assigned him to govern diabolically, demonically over the area of Persia. This demon prince tried to stop Gabriel, who is not a fallen angel. He's an angel that is still one of God's princes. The spirit prince of Persia tried to stop Gabriel from getting through to answer the prayer, and this battle lasted 21 days. Here's where it says, this is the scripture reference. Listen, God, to this determined prayer of your servant. Have mercy on your ruined sanctuary. <laughs> Lord, have mercy on your ruined habitation on this planet because we're, we're, we're asking you for the mercy for the habitation again. And act out of who you are, not of, who, of what we are. Turn your ears our way, God, and listen and open your eyes and take a long look at our ruined city. This city named after you. Let's put our own city in there because that's what we're asking God to do. We're asking him to look at this ruin, this every place of ruin and death and to come into it. He says, our appeal is to your compassion. This prayer is our last and only hope, which is true. Ours is too. Master, listen to us. Master, forgive us. Master, look at us and do something. This is a desperate man. This is what is the echo of every revival. Every revival starts with desperation and goes on to repentance. 
Desperation is the acknowledgement that unless you come, we're done. Right? And then it moves into places of repentance for all of the places that we have hindered the move. All of the places in our own hearts that have shut down the flow of heaven through us. All of the places that our communities, our regions have turned from the living God to worship idols. That's what happens. This prayer epitomizes one of the very dynamics that we see in every revival. He goes on to say, your city, your people are named after you. You have a stake in us. And while I was pouring out my heart, barring my sins and the sins of my people, this is exactly a progression in revival, desperation and confession and cleansing and preparation. Bearing my sins and the sins of my people, praying my life out before my God, interceding for the holy mountain of my God, habitation. While I was absorbed in this praying, the human-like Gabriel, the one I had seen in an earlier vision, this is the message version, that's why it reads like that, approached me, flying in like a bird. Oh, God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, flying in like a bird about the time of evening worship, he stood before me. This is Gabriel, dude. Daniel, I have come to make things plain to you. <laughs> the angelic make things plain to us when God sends Gabriel I think it's probably a good place to listen and to get our attention he says can you imagine this you've been fasting <coughs> and praying for 21 days and Gabriel flies in like a human bird and says I've come to answer your prayer this is what angels are doing this right now Right now, they're answering your prayer. They are answering your prayer. They're doing it right now. Ooh, uh. Sorry. Relax, Daniel. <laughs> he continued. I'm not really sorry. Don't be afraid from the moment. This is where I think it's very merciful of God. This man is wrecked and ruined, right? He's praying over his city. He knows that if Jesus, if God doesn't show up, we're gone, right? This is the mercy of Jesus because he's telling Daniel, I want you to know something. I wasn't blind. I wasn't deaf. I wasn't silent. Okay, this eliminates all of our wilderness and desert theology. Bye. See you later. Because that theology assumes that God is not working and that he's not, and that he's not always working. And that, he's, that theology assumes that I am separated from him. I am not separated. I have access to everything in heaven. I am in union with my creator. There is no separation. Separation is an illusion of the devil empowered by my shame. My shame informs 
the language of separation in my heart and tries to convince me that God is dead or he's not moving or he's not acting on my behalf. When we hear that one, tell it to shut up. I had to tell it to shut up a few times myself. He says, but I was way, he says, um, the moment you decided to humble yourself to receive understanding, your prayer was heard. Bill Johnson says it this way. The difference between a victim and their prayer and one who knows who they are and believes that God is good. The victim says, why are you doing this to me? The one who knows who they are, whose heart has been secured by love, says, huh, how do you want me to respond to this? The difference is monumental. The second response is saying, I see the challenge, I see the danger, I see the things that provoke fear, I see the things that destroy hope in front of me, I see the taunt, I see it all. But how do you want me to respond? Because my assumption is that you are good, that you are for me, that you are always working, never sleeping, and that you've presented me with an opportunity to enter in with you to see your kingdom established. That's not a victim. That's somebody who knows their God. He says, but I was waylaid by the angel prince of the kingdom of Persia, and I was delayed for a good three weeks. But then Michael, one of the chief angel princes, intervened to help me. I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia. <laughs> I love it when angels call on angels for help so they can get to my prayer, right? <clears throat> mm, that's humbling. And now I'm here to help you understand what will eventually happen to your people. The vision has to do with what's ahead. I'm here to help you understand, Gabriel says, the strategies that the king has already decided upon. Angels are here to loose heaven's strategies for what the king of the universe has already established. The angelic are releasing that strategy to us. I'm here to help you understand the future. Yes, it's good. You have a good future. I'm here to help you, assist you, answer your prayer. Angels, she says, are sent to answer prayers. God assigns them to bring prayers to past. So there is little wonder that there is a New Testament church that is actively praying the will of God and believing his prophetic words and declaring them because he is sending angels to assist. The reality of angels is real. And whether we believe it or not doesn't change the fact that they exist and it doesn't change what they're doing, particularly in this era. Angels have assignments and they're sent on assignments. And when we pray and something gets established in heaven, it gets established in heaven, 
angels get released on the planet to carry it out. There are angels behind every prophetic word and every prayer that you've ever prayed. They are not idle. Even when they're delayed, they call for help and they go on answering your prayer. This delay was not a forever delay. And for some of us, because we experience delay, we assume that nothing is happening. And that's the lie that the enemy wants us to believe. I think the thing that's so encouraging in this was it was a limited delay. Delays are limited. They are finite. They are not perpetual. And so I break the power of the lie that we are standing in perpetual delay when it comes to anything of God fulfilling the prophetic words and the prayers of our heart. There is no such thing as a long extended delay in that sense. There might be a problem with my vision because my vision is focused in the real and not the unseen. The cognitive dissonance that we experience is because our eyes are focused on this thing instead of this thing. So there's a gap that we feel. And what the enemy does in the gap is he comes in and tries to insert fear, insert doubt. He inserts um, hopelessness. He inserts discouragement. That's the enemy's playground. The enemy plays in the gap between the real and the unseen real. And that's his playground. It's the soulish realm that he's coming at. That's why earlier in our prayer, I said, my spirit comes forward and I direct my spirit to have control over my soul because my soul is the place where all of those things have been resident, disappointment, um, discouragement, um, failure, um, loss of hope. That's my soul. All of the things that have happened, good, bad, or indifferent, are encoded in my soul. But, the, but Jesus is healing those. And there's a reason why in the middle of revival, one of the biggest graces that is released is for repentance. Because repentance clears the soul. Repentance gets the garbage out of my soul so that my soul can come into agreement with my spirit. Is that, all right, does that make sense? In other words, my spirit doesn't doubt. My spirit isn't having an identity crisis. My spirit is not the part of me <coughs> that is hopeless. My soul. And so Jesus, we wonder why <coughs> revival comes and this measure of grace and revival comes that moves things in my heart that couldn't be moved. We sit here and we scratch our heads. Some of us have hair and others don't. Not everybody can be perfect. We're scratching our heads like, why am I struggling with this fear? Why am I struggling with this doubt? Why am I struggling with this temptation? Why am I struggling with all these things? Why is the garbage from way back here coming up in my heart? Why is it when Jamie and I, <laughs> throw you up out there, have conversation in the room, in my classroom, suddenly I'm dealing with something back here that has to do with an earthly father? 
Why? Revival is supposed to make me feel good, right? Well, not necessarily. One of the agendas of revival is personal. And personal revival means getting the crap out of me. Personal revival means it's the mercy of Jesus to come into the soil of your heart and push every stone to the surface. That's the mercy of Jesus. That's the grace that's released in revival because those stones were previously stuck. They were immovable. That's why two people can go to Toronto who hate each other and don't want to be married anymore. They really want to annihilate the other person. They go under the Holy Spirit. They get glued to the floor in his presence because in his presence, all things happen. We become in his presence. Everything changes in his presence. So when we sit around in unpresence-oriented churches for years where we don't value the habitation and the presence of God in our midst and we wonder why we stay stuck in stupid patterns for 20 years, well, there it is. You cannot come into the presence of Jesus and not be changed. Impossible. Impossible. If you're not changing, it's because there's no presence, period. If you're not changing, it's because you're not in the presence. But in revival, there is a grace that is released in the presence of Jesus to do the thing that was previously undoable. So these two people that are glued to the carpet and get up in Toronto and suddenly love their spouse, that, that's a miracle. We all know what it's like to have things in our hearts that we cannot shift. And Jesus is shifting your heart right now. It is the prerequisite, the absolute prerequisite, prerequisite, can you talk? The prerequisite to revival. You can't say, I want revival, but I want to keep my sin habit. You can't say, I want revival, but can I keep a little unforgiveness, Jesus? I mean, just maybe a little. You know, I really do hate that person. I can't say that I want revival and demonize every church in town that we think doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Because the reality is, just like Seacoast, they got together to pray for one person. 200 got healed 3,000 showed up the next time. They've had healing ever since in their church. It got released. They weren't looking for it. They weren't necessarily praying into revival. So you can't, there's, there, there are inconsistencies when we say that we want revival, but we don't want this thing to come up. It's coming up because the presence of Jesus is here. And it's one of the indicators that we are in a place of acceleration and revival. It is the mercy of Jesus to reveal my heart. It is the mercy of Jesus to unblind me in the places that I have been blind so that I can see rightly. It is the mercy of Jesus to heal my soul in revival so that my spirit has the backing of my heart and my soul. I can't keep inviting. I can invite my spirit to take control and to sit in the driver's seat every day. But if my soul is an anchor, the anchor has to get pulled up. That's why you're dealing with that stuff. 
That's why Jesus is always after the heart. That's why religion doesn't work, because religion targets behavior and conformance to a law, and it creates death. And if you've been in an unspirit-filled, unpresence-oriented body for years, you've been sucking in death and sucking in the law, and then you wonder why we're stuck. The good part is, one suddenly changes everything, doesn't it? One suddenly changes a heart. One suddenly seats me in the place that I'm supposed to be. <clears throat> one, seat, one suddenly aligns me with heaven. One suddenly takes the things that the Holy Spirit has pushed up in my heart, the boulder in my heart, and removes it. One suddenly, and suddenly my soul and my spirit are in agreement, and my emotions follow, and my faith is alive, and my faith becomes a burning fire that is unquenchable and cannot be put out by any kind of water, garbage, or trash that gets thrown its way. <coughs> That is why he's healing my soul. Habitation is present, continuous, living in the cloud of heaven. Habitation in me first and us corporately, us as a region, us as a city. We cannot do habitation without hyssop, as Jamie says. We can't do habitation without the cleansing. That's why in every revival, we have first desperation. I need you, God. The recognition that I, I lest you come and deliver me even from the hell of myself, I'm stuck. I can't change this heart of mine. I can't do what I can't do. I can't kick this. I can't get rid of this. I can't do any of those things because my heart has been locked in a place where my daily surrender and my daily access has not been able to move. But revival and the presence of Jesus and revival and the way that he comes, comes with a measure of grace <clears throat> that is so much greater that suddenly the thing that you've been dealing with for years, that unforgiveness with this father or whatever it is, is suddenly highlighted, illuminated, pushed to the surface and gotten out of the way. That's the part that's called repentance. I change the way I think as Jesus changes my heart. As a man thinketh he is, Jesus said that everything that comes out of my mouth indicates the condition of my heart. A changed heart changes thinking. I don't want my head to inform my heart. I want my heart to inform my head. And I want my spirit and my heart and my head to be in perfect union and harmony with the crucified one who lives inside of me. That's why 
desperation, repentance, and then there is an action that follows out of the fire that gets lit in my heart. We can't put the cart before the horse. We don't do signs, wonders, miracles, and habitation without preparation. And that preparation is something God's been doing already. There is some preparation that he's been doing in my heart that even brought me to the place where the boulder that's there could leave so that my soul would be free to agree with my spirit so that when my spirit sits in the driver's seat, it actually drives. And it drives with all the rest of me following. There's that kind of preparation. And then there's also supernatural preparation. Supernatural preparation comes in the form of a suddenly. It's the thing where I get downloaded the language of Albania when I'm in Albania traveling in the spirit and I know the whole language because now I'm speaking it. It's, when the, it's the kind of preparation that downloads the entire Bible in my spirit and I know it through and through without ever having memorized all of those places. It's the thing that happens when suddenly I have knowledge and wisdom from heaven that I, I didn't have in the moment. And I speak it forward and something changes in a city, in an atmosphere. That's what suddenlies do. <clears throat> so supernatural preparation and preparation in the spirit that God does and has been doing. It's all the same spirit. Some is sudden and some has been something that has been the process. It's been the process of what God's been doing in our hearts. We embrace that process, Jesus, and we say yes to it. So Father, we thank you that you're preparing us and we thank you that the angels have already, I'm gonna talk more about angels tomorrow, more specifically. Um, that angels have already been released on our behalf. That the minute that we prayed, you didn't shut down heaven, you activated heaven. And you heard, and an angel or angels were dispatched. So Father, we release our angels today to accomplish the thing that we've been praying for. We commission those angels and we send them and we release them to accomplish their purpose, to accomplish the prayer, to fulfill the prophetic word, to do the thing that they do on our behalf as ministering spirits of heaven who carry out the fulfillment of your word, Jesus, even the word that gets declared from our mouth and fulfillment of the prophetic words that you have already released and that we are pregnant with. We invite the angels to our delivery and we say it's time to deliver. So Father, we release the angels, this is a metaphor, we release the angels that bring to birth everything that we've been pregnant with right now, that our city is pregnant with, that our church is pregnant with, that our region. We release the delivery 
and the breakthrough angels, the ones that cause things to be birthed, that have been ruminating and germinating and growing prophetically in the soil of our heart and in the soil of our very land. We release them and we declare that this is the hour for delivery, for birth in Jesus' name. Blessings, guys.